and welcome to Toddler Purgatory, or as we like to call it, Todd Purgs. I'm one of your hosts, Blair. Hi, everybody. Molly here. We're so happy to be here with you. Welcome back. Welcome back. I mean that. Welcome back, Cotter. Oh, yeah. Such Odie a locks. good show. Total Odie Locks. <laughs> Vinny Barbarino. That's where John Travolta got his start, and so many people don't know that. And Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. I didn't know he was on that. Oh, yeah. Danny DeVito's on that show. I had no idea. And he's actually hashtag kind of cute. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember him. I did watch that show, although I was... Butter tot. <laughs> the butter. You were butter tot perg yourself. But I do remember Horshack was the, ah, ah, he had that crazy laugh. Yep. Um, very funny. Good show. Today, speaking of watching and listening to television, but now we're talking about our kids. We're talking about listening to our kids. And at the show, we will be doing so quite literally as we talk to our, our own children. We're going to bring the babes in. We're bringing the babes into the studio. You know, listening to your kids is such a funny thing because you and I talk about this all the time, Blair, about how it feels like it's turning so fast. Like your day, you know, it's like one of those graphics of the hands of a clock just whipping around. That's how my days feel to me. Mm -hmm. And to practice what they call active listening, which we'll talk about more later, is, as they say, an investment because with the hands of time passing so quickly, like sands... Through the hourglass. (laughs) So are the days of our lives. (laughs) It sometimes is incredibly hard to be like, er, and put the brakes on the hands of time and stop and lock into our kids, right? Yes. But it truly is an investment because we're teaching them to be good listeners. Yes. It's also an investment, especially as of late for me, to invest the time into listening to my child tell me stories about absolutely nothing. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean? Why is that only of late? Do children, is normally his content fresh? <laughs> I think it's because since he's been going to school, it's just like how he's picking up like stories and things he wants to tell me. Yeah. And it's like, it's the facts that lead into stories that lead into quizzes that lead into autobiographies. <laughs> it's like, it's an investment to not... Shut off and just be like, which I do find myself do like autopiloting, like, uh huh, mm-hmm. yeah, really, oh wow, right, and then to really be like, lock it in, mom, here we go. What's that? Animals don't die, you say? Okay, cool, 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 cool. They do, but I'm gonna listen to this 15 minute story about how they don't. Okay, cool, go. I love it when my five year old son talks with such authority mm. about quote unquote facts, such as what you just said, animals don't die. Everything. They know everything. Yeah. Everything that is to be known, they know it. And me, I know nothing. I think I'm not allowed to correct him sometimes. Like, Oh, yeah. Right? No, 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 no. Don't do that. So do you find yourself saying like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Huh. Hmm. I didn't know that. Now I know. Thank you. What did you tell me the other day? Those aren't mama. I said, those are your veins. So, you know, the blue stripes <laughs> in your wrist. And he goes, mama, those aren't veins. Blood is red. And he's, <laughs> which is true, which is true, which is true. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. That time he wasn't telling a non-truth, but it was so funny how I was the dumb dumb. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Listen, you and me, dumb dumb central. It's like I am always 
not in the know of factual childhood facts. I love it so much. It's so funny and so fun. You know, some people are so good about writing down those things too, those toddler factoids. So good. I should be writing down more of them. I think my husband does. He's good. He's better about that kind of recording than I am. But boy, is it funny. They crack me up. It's hilarious. You know, hands of time do slow down and you do find yourself like in those moments of like, oh, my baby, my kid, my child. And you do sit down and you just like really have a convo with them. Pretty awesome. It's awesome. And the funny thing is like, not only are we having a great conversation with our kid and how lucky are we? Because, you know, there's going to be a point where they just stop talking to us and we're going to be like, oh, I wish I was hearing, (laughs) you know, all about how, you know, Bumblebee from Transformers is the president. (laughs) <laughs> that he is the president. Uh, and meanwhile, our child is not talking to us because he's 14 and doesn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> but it is teaching. We're laying the groundwork. It's like so much of childhood and, and the role we can play as parents is that we're laying the groundwork for our kids to be good listeners, to be empathetic listeners. In Parents Magazine, Michael Nichols, PhD, is the author of a book called The Lost Art of Listening. And he says... Good listening is how we convey our empathy. It lets children know that their thoughts and feelings matter and that they are understandable and acceptable as people. I love that. He says, and it's part of the respect thing, too. Yes. We're respecting our kids. Yep. They are human beings who do matter and they may not have the emotional skill set yet. They certainly Mm -hmm. don't have the vocabulary Mm -hmm. to maybe name some of the things that are going on with them, but we can still play the role of we are validating them and their emotions and the fact that they are worthwhile human beings. Yep. I love it. So it is an investment. In this parent's article, they also say you'll be strengthening your kid's self-esteem. And when your children trust you to pay attention, they'll be more likely to confide in you when it matters most. And there it is. Boom, bap, diggity, ding, dong. I think it was somewhere like it was like manifest destiny on Instagram. She said something about that. I like active listening, being a good listener now means that when they do hit that teenage stage, if we're imparting to them that we are their vessel for listening, active, loving, respectful listening, they're going to come to us. And that is like one of my biggest fears as a parent, because it's just like, it's this idea that it's just like accepted, right? That once they get to be teenagers, they're not going to talk to you, right? Right. And it's that it's not the fact that I want my kids to like tell me everything. I think that a lot of things are for their friends and, you know, for their peer groups and whatnot. But if they're ever in trouble, if they ever feel shamed, bullied, any of that stuff, I want them to be able to come to me. Yes. And I want to be able to talk and be able to, you know, love and respect each other and just keep that choo-choo train going. It's so true. My mom jokes that she wished between the ages of 12 and 18 that I would have just gone away. She's like, yeah, 12 to 18 were rough. You know, we couldn't afford boarding school, but if we could. I was like, wow, mom. See ya. Keeping it real. But the bottom line is also whenever I had romantic, somebody broke my heart, my tiny little preteen heart. Oof. The toughest. Yes, the toughest. That is a full body Devastation. Yes, it is. Not that it isn't when you're older, but when you're older, you maybe have some more tools to be able to deal with it, as devastating as Mm -hmm. it can be, of course. But when you're 13, 14, and that's that puppy love, it's that crush that has decided you don't exist or, you know, whatever. Forget it. That's it. That's the end of life as we know it, right? Mm -hmm. But also, my mom is the first person I go to with that because I knew I could ugly cry. I knew I could. She'd let me, you know, work through it. Sometimes we try on her makeup. She used to have a mousse foundation, which I thought was... 
So cool. <laughs> yeah. Right now, as an adult, I'm like, that sounds like a, you paid a lot for air, but whatever. <laughs> but it was so cool. And maybe she'd like, let me do those things. Or, you know, we talk about the future or whatever. She would just be there for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it reminded me, I pulled up this great quote from another great Instagram account called Cup of Joe. And it's a story from one of the Cup of Joe readers. I don't know if you saw this, Blair, from a few days ago. The story is, as a teenager, I would lean my face against the door frame of my mom's bathroom while she got ready in the morning. There was something so soothing about watching her methodically work through her beauty routine. There, I spilled out an ocean of teenage doubts and anxieties and joys. I vividly remember when I was sharing a particularly deep heartache, and after finishing her routine, she washed off her fresh makeup and started all over again. It was the gift of a few extra moments in the doorway to offload the burdens of my heavy teenage heart. It was a small and quiet act of love I'll never forget. Okay. Yeah, I'm weeping. Woo! Wow. What is that, Cup of Joe? Cup of Joe, yeah, J-O. It's an Instagram account. Ooh. That's what we're talking about. That's it. So here we are. So this is our future, right? We want to be that person that our kids are open to coming to in times of heartache, in times of stress, in times of trouble, right? We want them to be able to call and say, Mom, I need you now. I need a ride. Yes. I need a ride. You know? I'm not feeling safe. Yes. Yeah. You have that code, that text code where you get, you know, a certain thing and you go, boop, I'm going. Tell me where you are. You're at Craig's. I'm coming to get you. So that's the foundation we're laying now with our zero to six-year-olds. We're laying the foundation to establish that kind of empathetic, mutual listening relationship where they know, they know that they have, that we're a safe place. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Still on that washing her makeup off. Woof! Washed it off and then started again. And I thought to myself, that's my mom. My mom would have done that. That's also a good metaphor almost for when you don't have the words. Yes. When you don't have the words, the behavior in itself means so much to a child, especially, I would think, teenagers. Mm, yes. You know, because words at that age, when you're, I'm thinking about me as a teenager and how words were just like so powerful and meaningful and it, like it could just like wipe my life, you know? Yes. But the doing, the behaviors, especially of my parents. Oh God, it taught us so much about so much what it means to be a human. I mean, and also that is also a good example. We are going to talk a lot today about active listening, which is really being there for your kid, particularly when they're little ones, our zero to six year olds, because they don't have the language or the emotional, you know, capacity to say how they're feeling. But it's one thing I also read, there's active listening, which we always want to be ready for. And there are sometimes those moments of quiet where you're not looking deeply into your kid's eyes. <laughs> you know, maybe they're in the back seat, kind of what you described, Blair, mm-hmm. like that long stream of consciousness that's coming from the car seat, right? Yes. Because there's no eyes on our kid and they don't feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. One of the examples from one of the articles I read was her and her kid do night walks, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like what we talked about in our sleep episode, get the melatonin going as the sun goes down, that kind of thing. So they have their dinner and they go on their night walks and they're walking down the sidewalk holding hands. And suddenly that's when she says, you know, the moonlight shapes. I can see it bouncing off her little worried face as she tells me all about the stuff. And it's because there's no pressure. There's nobody sitting there going, tell me about your life. (laughs) So it's sort of like we have a couple of tools on our tool belt that we'll be talking about today. One is active listening. And the other one, I think, is being there. Just being present. Yes. Being present is so, Mm -hmm. so important. And just, you know, You'll know in those times when you need to be locked in and ready, you know, and at their level and all that stuff we'll talk about. And other times when you're simply walking and the gates of communication are open and they know it. With this episode, 
I think for me and really thinking about like talking to my kids and being there with my kids, it helps me be present in my own life for my own self in my relationships outside of my children. Yeah. Because you really do. When you speak to a child and when you listen to a child, there's so much that they're trying to convey, you know, and as mothers too, we're a lot of times we're their translators. Oh, yes. Like we're the ones that know exactly what they're saying. So there's so much active listening that you have to do that when I think about it, being a mom in the stage that in the purgatory in which I sit, it really does help me when I'm speaking or talking to other people relationship wise or else it really helps me yeah for understanding and empathy for sure deep listening empathetic listening being open because people say things not just with the words yeah it's so much other stuff i think that's why we're missing you know that so deeply that communication these last couple years and even like i gotta tell you something it is hard for me to understand sometimes what people are saying because i can't see their mouth moving because of masks I am so grateful for masks, but I never knew until March 2020 how much I relied on like lip reading. Like, what is happening? Like, what are you saying? I need everybody to get those great masks that they have for lip reading purposes. And I also saw a video of a flight attendant with one, which that has the little window in it. Oh, yeah. The little window. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. I need to get a hundred of those. They're so great. But you know who doesn't have a problem with it? Who? Kids. My son is in class all day with his mask. I'm like, how was your day? He's like, great. I was like, do masks like what? He didn't even realize it. He's talking to me with his mask on. He didn't even take it off. The minute I have a second to like take my mask off, I'm like, ugh, ugh. he's still talking with his on. We get home sometimes. It is a 15 to 17 minute drive home from school. <laughs> and we'll be talking in the car and stuff. And sometimes we're quiet. We just listen to the radio and we get home. And more than once I've opened the door and been like, all right, come on, buddy. And I turn around and he's just sitting in his booster seat with his mask on. <laughs> Like, it's so funny. They don't, it doesn't bother them. It's so funny. It's because it's energy. It's all energy. It's behavior for them. Yeah. That's like a perfect key for us yeah. grown adults is that it's sometimes not what you say. It's what you do. Yeah. And how you're doing it. And how you're handling it. Oh, that's so much of that is modeling, right? Like we always talk about. Mm-hmm. When we get back, we'll talk about all the ways that we can be there for our kids, be active listeners, and just sometimes just simply be. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back, everybody, to Toddler Purgatory, Todd Perks. 
we're talking about listening to our kids. So I went on the good old CDC website. You know, it's the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, but also they got some good parenting tips. Who knew? They know a lot. Them CDC years. They know a lot. They do. <laughs> and one of the first things they say to practice active listening is to give your full attention to your child. Again, we get it. Sometimes it's I like it. the zucchini's gonna burn if I do <laughs> my child. It happened to me the other day. I was like, what was I cooking? It was zucchini. It was, I was sauteing zucchini and peppers and onions in one thing. And then I had chicken. I'm flipping over the chicken, stirring the, you know, glaze for it. So I'm cooking up a storm. And unfortunately, my son, of course, is getting hungry. So that's a great combination when Ooh. you are totally mm-hmm. busy cooking. Mm-hmm. And now they're hungry Ooh. and they're in moving quickly into meltdown mode. Oh, come on. Bring it, bring it, bring it, baby. I always think to myself that conundrum of like, I could help you or I could continue doing the thing that will solve your problem in four minutes when it's done. Right. Like, yes. it's such a bummer. Like, do I sit on the floor with you and be present with you and show you empathy while your food gets cold when it is, in fact, the food that will solve this problem? Well, this will do it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's parenting. <laughs> Isn't that parenting? Like, that is parenting in a nutshell. But I know what you need and I have that thing. It's just not here right now. And if I could focus on that thing, I could have it for you. But you need me to focus on you. Oh! Okay, okay, okay. Everything's fine. Hand me a white claw! (laughs) (laughs) So giving your full attention to your child can be hard. Mm -hmm. It can be hard. But again, remember, so it's an investment. Just keep that in mind. When you think to yourself, I can't break away from this thing that I'm doing. I think Margaret has a saying about it. A little bit of time invested now will pay off in, you know, dividends in the future. Mm-hmm. That's not the same, but she says something like that. It's not something like that, but it's so true. And it's, you know what? It's hard. This is the thing too, where you have to give yourself like the space and grace as a parent that I find myself all, I'm like beating myself up with, I forget these things, right? I forget it's an investment because I don't have the time. I'm trying to do the email. I'm trying to do the thing. I'm trying to get the clothes ready. I'm trying to do all of the things Yep. under the umbrella keep you safe and worry about you not hurting yourself, you know, all the things that, yes, it is hard for me to listen to your story. Yep. Or, you know, have you tried to explain what you just drew for 15 minutes? You know what I mean? Right. The time thing is hard. I mean, I really feel you on that. And there has to be, sometimes you do need an end time. You do. That you can stop what you're doing, come down. And I think this is maybe mostly active listening is always beneficial, but especially when they're maybe feeling emotional or going through something or upset about something or their brother hit them and they just need you for a minute, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. (laughs) I look funny, but you know, I'm making money, see? See? Make eye contact and stop the other things that you're doing can be hard, but it's important. And one interesting thing in the parents article, psychotherapist Tina Payne Bryson, who's co-author of The Whole Brain Child, which I own and have not yet read, and now I will get on it. Oh, yes. (laughs) Sitting on that shelf. Well, speaking of sitting on the shelf, she recommends sitting down. It's a physical act. Yeah. Or sometimes I have to crouch down, especially if he comes in the kitchen. I crouch down to get to his level. But she specifically highlights sitting down. She says, when you sit, a kid may visibly relax. Mm -hmm. It communicates, I have time for Mm -hmm. you. You're important to me. Which I love that. And then parents article goes on to say, this not only makes your child feel profoundly heard, but it also models good listening habits for their future. Yeah. Concentrating, putting devices away and valuing relationships above all else. I love that last part. Love that. Let me tell you this, just a sidebar. So my five-year-old came home yesterday and he had this like, they're doing their numbers now. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I said, oh, this is good. He's like, no, I messed up a lot. I was like, that's okay. I was like, we messed up. And then he said something very profound to me. He said, but my friend helped me. She sat down next to me and she helped me. Oh, just the fact that she helped him was amazing. And I was so grateful and like, oh my God, good parenting on that end. Thank you. And a good kid. Yeah. Good parenting and a good kid. Yeah. But it was the fact that he mentioned she sat down next to me and I was like, okay, that means something. That behavior of her sitting next to him and helping him with this paper. And then I got to tell you something real sweet. He'd already written his name down, but she felt the need to write it again. Wait, did she write his name or her name? <laughs> she wrote his name. She was like, I know you wrote your name, boo-boo, but I'm going to write it again because I know you have a hard time with these numbers. <laughs> that is so sweet. Really sweet. But that just like kind of clicked with me. I was like, yeah, sometimes it's just like getting even with each other. Yes. If we're doing it for them, then they're going to do it for each other. Oh, for sure. Good modeling is, oh my gosh, just the way to go. But either way, whether you can sit down, crouch down, whatever, getting down on your child's level is a great way to connect with them. Do you do that, Blair? I feel like I see you do that. I do. I try to. I definitely try to get into the eye contact, get on their level. I also like, there's something, because I also feel like I'm very much always like, stop that. Don't knock it off. You know? Right, right. Telling them what to do. So that feeling of like being taller than them and looking down on them and telling them like, you know, behavioral wise to stop doing things. It makes me feel a little icky. So I like to come down to them and be like, yo, look at me. Let's stop this or let's talk or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like what we've discussed. You can't match a child's energy with adult energy and that feeling of that overpowering or I'm bigger than you. I'm taller than you. Diminishing them. Yeah. So getting down on their level. That's a great way. For some reason in my head, I can like see you doing that because you're so you're such a good person with direct communication that I bet you're good at that. Well, thank you. Yes, I try. Listen, I try. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and then the other thing they say, which I really love, which I am getting better at, which is reflecting or repeating back what your kid's saying and what they may be feeling to make sure you understand. Right. Yeah. It also gives them the words because especially our little beans, our Ugh. cute little bean beans oh, yeah. who are like 18 months to <laughs> four years old, mm-hmm. even older. I mean, I know grown men and women who have a hard time oh. being able to label what they're feeling. Because like a lot of times it's more than one at once. It's more than one feeling at once. It's impossible. And it's also because they weren't either allowed or they weren't able to when they were kids. Yes. And then you just hang on to that your whole entire life, right? And then you get yourself into a relationship <laughs> and it's like... I don't know how to communicate. I don't know what to do here. Right? Oh, God. I mean, it happens. Yeah. And then in that parents article, they say, experts say that this connected experience, just in general, of being listened to and then listening in return might just be the key to your children's successful careers, thriving relationships, and happy lives. No pressure. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Dingly, ding, ding, dingity, do. Do, did, diddle, da, dope. So this is what I'm working on, and I actually think I'm getting better at it. Just like this labeling thing, it doesn't come naturally to me. And maybe it's not supposed to. But like, you know, we've talked about this too, about when how you handle adversity and how you handle challenges Mm -hmm. in your day. Mm -hmm. You should narrate because then your kid is learning the lesson. Like Mm -hmm. if you say, oh, I really wanted to do 10 pushups today. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) That's a crazy example (laughs) from Mars because this is not my life. But like, oh, I really wanted to do this thing, but I wasn't able to. And that's disappointing. You know what Mm -hmm. I can do, though? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out and uh, walk around the block Mm -hmm. and get my steps, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of narrating how 
you're going to, in a positive way, deal with adversity or challenges or obstacles in your day. And that and I don't even think to do that. I'm starting to get a little bit better about mm-hmm. it. I think it's because we're just not used to communicating with little people. Or having people who are constantly looking to us for how to live their lives. For sure. For sure. Because <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm like... Wait, so you're telling me that, wait, say it again? Start over again? Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's one of the things they say. And it's just like, <laughs> I want you, your, yeah, yeah, what? Okay, let's take a breath. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's one of the things they say in my reading. They say, it's okay to ask your kid to clarify. And I was like, thank you. Thank God. Thank you. Yeah. Because okay, sometimes, <laughs> I didn't know what they say. And my kid's five. Much less when he was 22 <laughs> months and he would point to a magazine and be like, a da da dee. And that's his way of saying magazine. It was so cute. (laughs) (laughs) So reflections of their words means you're just repeating back what you're hearing. So if they say, for instance, you know, the example in this magazine article was, you know how they say, this gaspetti is long. You know, this gaspetti is good. And you say, ooh, this spaghetti. It's okay to correct them as long as you don't say it in a mean way because it tells them the right way to say the word. And you're just repeating back to them. And you can add a little detail, add some more specifics. So they get used to adding specifics. That spaghetti is long and delicious or whatever. So repeating it back to them lets them know that there are ways to expand their sentences, their vocabulary. It also gives them attention. Mm. Yeah, I love this. On the CDC website, it says it gives a child attention for their use of words and it will make them want to talk more to get more attention. So this is especially for our kids who maybe don't lean into the verbal stuff right away. You're giving them your full attention. You're repeating back what they're saying. So they're hearing that they're being heard. I love that. And it's the right kind yes. of attention. Yes. More of that positive stuff. Yes. More of that positive. If you're talking to them, they're going to want to talk to you instead of like tossing stuff across the room to get your attention. Which also gets my attention. However. Oh, that gets my attention. <laughs> I guess once my attention is got, that's it. It ain't so pleasant. Yes, Exactly. You also want to reflect their emotions. So this is a time when maybe they're coming to you with a problem. They're on the playground and they come to you crying and they say, you know, or they come home from school and they say, oh, my friend hit me and then stuck his tongue out at me. And they're very upset about that. So you want to repeat that back to them and reflect their emotions. And that also gives their emotions. It's okay to feel these emotions. We're not chastising them. We're not correcting them. We're not telling them that they shouldn't feel that way. Or when you say like, sometimes I'll be like, well, how did that make you feel? And then my little one, both of them can't find the word, right? So they'll be like, it makes me not be good in my head, right? Yes. So my son says about his stomach. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So it's like, okay, all right. So it makes you feel angry or it makes you feel frustrated, Yes. That word gets tossed around a lot in my house since I've introduced what that feeling is. Can I tell you, we say frustrated all the time. It oh, just makes yeah. me feel frustrated. He goes, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated, mommy. So you're right, though. This gives your child a word for the emotion, they say, and helps them learn that it's okay to talk about feelings. Yes. It is okay, y'all. Yes. It's okay. It is okay. Now, talking about emotions or re- being able to reflect back the emotions, according to the CDC, and they know a few things. Apparently, it's not that easy. (laughs) So the first tip is take a guess, even if you're unsure. Don't be afraid 
to get it wrong because your kid will correct you, (laughs) which I love that. So let them know you're paying attention. You don't know if they're crying because they're angry, they're scared, Mm -hmm. they're sad, whatever. Mm -hmm. So say something like, it seems like you are upset or it sounds like something's bothering you. Kind of like what you said, Blair, like, can you tell me about how you're feeling? Your child may not know himself or herself what they're feeling. And by talking, you can figure it out together. Always remember, you don't always have to talk. You can just be there for them like we talked about. For sure. Words aren't needed all the time. Staying close, comforting them, just them knowing that you're there might be enough. And especially like in the middle of tantrums when you're both worn out. Yeah. And you don't even have the words because if you feel like you're going to say something, it's not going to be nice or kind or positive. Yeah. Don't feel that pressure, boo. You know, it's funny that you say that because the next tip is you don't always have to agree with what you're seeing as far as their emotions. Mm -mm. They say sometimes it's difficult to summarize or label your child's feelings because you think they should be responding in a different way. Telling your child to stop feeling a particular way does not show your child you're trying to understand how he feels. Talk to your child about how they're feeling. Work it out and try not to get too caught up on how you think they should be feeling about a certain situation. And that is what worth and validation will be in the future. It's so true. Holy moroli, as my son says. I love that. And just remember, uh, don't worry about getting it wrong. A lot of parents think, I don't want to reflect back what I think they might be feeling because what if I get it wrong? Don't sweat it. So what? Get it wrong. They'll correct you. You can say, oh, maybe that's not quite right. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about it? You know, we need to get it wrong a little bit more, I think, so that our kids can be like, there's so much pressure to be like hero, right? There's so much pressure to be like the one that knows everything, right? Yeah. Get it wrong occasionally and don't be afraid to get it wrong so that your kid can see, as we always say, that you're human yep. and that you get things wrong. Because what's not cute is when you get to your 40s and you realize that your parents are ultra human, (laughs) you know, and it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Oh, wait, hold up. You actually don't know all the things that you said that you knew? Okay, wait, you know, and being upset about it. Yep. Let's avoid that. Show them. Show them that you're human. Get it wrong. And get down at their level, you know. The biggest takeaway I had from this research. And again, I'm trying really hard to do more of that reflection stuff when my son feels upset and not get caught up in my own expectations of how this should have gone or how he should be feeling or why he's behaving this way or how it affects me. It's not about me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Oh, all right, great, cool. But the biggest thing is to be present. That's my biggest takeaway is just be present. Before I mentioned Dr. Bryson and she says, listening requires presence. Mm. You have to be checked in and tuned in, not just to the verbal stuff, the nonverbal stuff. When we're on our devices, we might only hear the words. Mm-hmm. So get off those devices. That email can wait. Mm-hmm. And just check in with your kid, especially, you know, if they're having an emotional moment, but also if they just want to tell you about their drawing from school, you might learn a little bit more about what happened at school too by checking in. And a little bit more about them. Yeah. Invest that little bit of time for that big payoff later. Absolutely. That's my biggest takeaway yet again is this like the investments, the tiny investments can make such a huge difference in the future. And that totally makes me think of the idea, you know, we get bombarded with this, especially as like new moms is take it all in. It goes by so fast, right? The reason why it goes by so fast is because we are in the moment and we are present, right? So it's going to go by fast. But if we have these little tiny moments that we take where we're really present and we're really with our kids, those are the moments that we will remember, that we can go back into our memory bank and be like, yeah. So it's not this like grand ideas of like, remember like changing diapers. You remember, you know, doing this and doing that. It's like if you take these little moments 
you can remember what that drawing is about. Yeah. You can remember that time they were so upset and they said that funny thing about how monsters were in their head, right? And you had the conversation about what that felt like. Then you remember those things. You remember those moments. Yeah, those little investments, like to taking that time investment to live deeply inside these little moments are what will stay with you. And your kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of kids, Ugh. <laughs> who needs them? Just kidding. We love you. <laughs> we love But them. speaking of kids, we love our kids. And, you know, after the break, you'll hear a couple of little, you know, they're mini momos, mini moments, mini interviews. And I'm going to chat with my son for a few minutes. And I don't know if we're going to be able to dip into the active listening in a deep way. <laughs> Because we're only going to talk for seven to nine minutes. But listen, and Blair's going to talk to her kid or kids. We'll see how it works out in a separate thing. And we're just going to kind of chat with them and see what's going on in their lives and ask them some questions and see what they got to say. See what they got to say. It might not be much. And it might not be good. (laughs) But that's all right. We got a good editor. All right. We'll be right back after this. Stick around. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hi, Mommy's going to interview me today. That's right. Can you tell everybody how old you are? Fifteen. <laughs> minus ten. Fifteen minus ten. Do you know what that is? A five. Yeah, that's right. Is that how old you are? Yeah. <laughs> when is your birthday? September 24th. September 24th. That's right. Which is coming up. Which is not coming up. <laughs> you want it to be coming up. Hey, what is your favorite color? Red. And what's your second favorite color? Black. And what's your third favorite color? Blue. Great. What is your favorite thing to do when you're outside? Bike. Yeah? Where's your favorite place to bike? Skate park. Skate park, that's right. When you're thirsty, what quenches your thirst the best? Milk and water and apple cider. Milk and water and apple cider. And what is your favorite thing to do with mama? Do snack and story. Snack and story, because that's what's coming up next tonight. (laughs) My favorite thing to do with you is probably go outside when we go on hikes. 
That's my favorite thing. Because we have such a good time, huh? And we explore and investigate. When can we go in the water again? When it's a little warmer, I guess. The water's pretty filled with... We saw the kind of mini icebergs today, didn't we, at the park? And there's no place to, for you to get settled and stand. Yeah, that's true. That's true, because it's so icy and snowy. And it's very rainy, and you can't stand anywhere because it got flooded. Yeah, that's true. What's your favorite thing about living where we live? Going to the bowling alley. Going to bowling. Today we did go bowling, so that's your new favorite thing? That was really fun, wasn't it? What is your bloom or your favorite thing about school in general? Mama picking up. When I pick you up. Because preschool is mostly so boring. Preschool is mostly so boring. Oh, my gosh. What do you think is a tough thing to talk to Mama about? Do we ever have tough times? I don't think so. Well, that's good. Well, if you think about it, you can always talk to me about anything. You know that, right? Oh. Because no matter what, I love you. You're telling this to the public students of Earth. (laughs) Is that my audience? Are the public students of Earth? (laughs) You know what I like about that? It does imply that we're all students of life, which I think you're right. We're always learning, right? Thanks for talking to me. Yo, yo. Love you. Poop. Parent of the year. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mommy's going to ask you a couple questions, okay? Uh What's your favorite color? Blue. What's your favorite color? Purple. Oh, purple. That's a beautiful color. What's something that you wish I could do with you someday? You could play with me. Play with you. Play what? You could play any games you want to play with. Okay. I get to choose? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then in that case, I don't know what I would choose. You would choose Monopoly. Monopoly again? Ah, all right, fine. What's something that's hard about your school days? Like when you go to school, what's hard about those days sometimes? Drawing a bear. Drawing a bear? When did you have to draw a bear? Like on Christmas Day. Like a polar bear. On Christmas, you had to draw something at school for... Yeah, and it was hard. Uh-huh. And it was so hard that I couldn't even do it. But then I got it right. Oh, you did? Is it because you tried hard? Uh-huh. Yeah. But then, Mr. Mm-hmm. Boone, you said, go, go, go. And I made a scarf. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. A scarf on a polar bear. I didn't see that. But then Miss Abunia helped me out with the scarf. Oh, well, that was nice of her. (laughs) Is there anything that I do sometimes that makes you sad or scared? Well, you probably shout at me and then I start crying. Mm. But then I take three deep breaths. You are so... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Listen, first of all, I'm sorry that I shout at you sometimes. Because I get frustrated, right? Just like you get frustrated, I get frustrated. Mm -hmm. But we both take deep breaths, and it's good for us, right? And thank you for saying that and for that hug. That was a nice hug. Thanks. Can I ask you one more question? Okay. Is there anything that you want to talk about that's on your heart that you want to tell people or tell Uh, the world? What's your message to the world? (laughs) Like, could you tell me what message I could send to the world? You can send... Sometimes when people want to tell messages, it's like what's inside their heart, like what makes them feel good that they want to tell other people. What's inside your heart that you want to tell people that makes you feel good? My heart like the Grinch. (laughs) Much like your mother, your heart is like the Grinch. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I think your heart's a little bit bigger than the Grinch's.
No, but then he turned out to be good, so then he was grateful. Exactly. Just like, listen, just like I'm grateful for you. I love you. Yeah, because he was, like, scared Mm -hmm. when he was, like, a big Grinch, Mm -hmm. and he was going around like this, Mm -hmm. and he suddenly noticed that he had a dream Mm -hmm. that someone took away his presents, the mommy and daddy, Uh so would they have another present so they can make it? More present. Great. But Santa mm-hmm. doesn't like what the adults do to the Grinch's presents. Oh, okay. Well, that happens. Hey, listen. Thanks for letting me interview you. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you, too. Can I hug? Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. From the mouths of babes. Literally listening to our kids. Feels good. Not always easy. But it definitely is something that is worthwhile. Listen to me. Whenever you have a chance, please rate us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and take good care of yourself. You know, me and Molly, we love you. And we love that you're part of the Todd Perg family. Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.